Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajara Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Welcome to 121 Financial Ballpark. We've got an opening day in minor league baseball. Here on Action Sports Jackson on ESPN 690. This is a fun day. Opening day in baseball, always fun. Doesn't matter what level you're at, Major League Baseball, Little League Baseball. And Minor League Baseball, there's a special feeling around here today and uh, coming into the week because they lost their season last year yeah. due to the pandemic. Didn't play a game. They even had this part of the season delayed until May 4th, which is today. And the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp are opening up and making their debut in AAA baseball tonight right here at the baseball grounds in Jacksonville against Norfolk. And uh, what a fun day. Hot day in Jacksonville, but a good baseball day. Sold-out crowd for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. So we're talking some baseball and a beautiful backdrop. And we're really at the story of the week right behind us. The outfield here at the baseball grounds, Bragan Field, and then TIAA Bank in the backdrop of this after a draft weekend for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's a good time to be alive in Jacksonville, Florida. It's an exciting time for Jacksonville sports. Obviously, the Jaguars have done their thing in the draft now, highlighted by Trevor Lawrence. The Jacksonville Icemen are doing their thing, um, you know, on a, on a pretty good, uh, you know, kind of game stretch, if you will, entering the playoffs. Now the the Jumbo Shrimp open up here opening day. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good time to be a Jacksonville sports fan. Yeah, absolutely. Love it, uh, and uh, good to be here and be a part of it. And, again, special day for these guys, Not because, one, because they haven't played in so long, and they kept themselves busy, and they, they kept working and kept grinding, and that's what minor league baseball is all about. You work your butt off in minor league baseball. Such an appreciation for everybody uh, who does the minor league baseball thing. You have, like, 17 different jobs, but it's really a lot of fun. Great atmosphere, and Ken Babby uh, has created a great culture and atmosphere here uh, for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. But, again, AAA baseball now, this is new. Uh, to Jacksonville after all the years in Double A, still with the Miami Marlins, but Triple uh, A affiliate, and so they uh, take that leap, which also kind of helps for the city. Uh, I think it kind of boosts the city another step in the minor league baseball world. And let's be honest, Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp were, were almost uh, benefited from all the changes in minor league baseball. There are a lot of cities and towns and, and clubs that didn't benefit at all coming out of the pandemic. There are a lot of changes in minor league baseball, and a lot of teams were lost in minor league baseball uh, across the uh, system. But uh, the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp uh, were not one of those casualties. Instead, here we are on a Tuesday in Jacksonville getting ready for opening day. So we'll talk a little baseball on the way, have some fun with it. Walk-up songs, you got some in mind? I think I have a couple in mind, yeah, yeah. Walk-up songs are tricky. Uh, I mean, you can have a lot of fun with them, but it's almost like oh, yeah. this wide-ranging question that it's, it, when someone puts you on the spot, hey, what's your walk-up song? Like, uh... Yeah. Uh, no, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and when I was playing, I don't remember us having to pick our walk-up song. They kind of just played one for you. So did you have one in college? Yeah, well, they, they just that? played music okay, in you. college, I okay. think it was. Um, but they didn't really... I didn't say, hey, I want... Sure. Garth Brooks, yeah. you know? Which would uh, um, obviously be the probably yours, I assume. <laughs> I always remember, like, in warm-ups, the kind of the mixtape. <laughs> yeah. Because it was a mixtape, right? Jock jams, <laughs> if you will. Maybe some jock jams. The jock jams. Maybe, like, a little Indian outlaw from Tim McGraw okay, okay. was on there. Okay, You know, I mean, it was kind of a taste <laughs> of country music, it felt like, even up in Rhode Island and certainly in Ohio when I was playing ball. So think about your walk-up song, people. What would it be? 
Uh, we're going to talk some football, of course, as well. Tim Tebow continues to heat up in Jacksonville. Mm. Plus, I think most people now believe something is happening. It's going to happen. Uh, I, I do think there's a little bit of a complex with some part of the fan base about Tim Tebow. I don't have a strong feeling one way or another. I'm, I'm Listen, to me, take Tebow's name out of it. If they brought some tight end in from Sioux City, Iowa, that I'd never heard of to try to try out Mm -hmm. at the tight end position, even if he had transitioned and was a little bit older, and we would almost be like, hey, that's kind of a cool story. Let's see what it's all about. The Jags, you know, they don't have a lot of tight end anyway. Probably not going to work out, but let's see what happens. Well, is that really that different than what Tebow's doing? I mean, they're not going to put Tebow on the team because he's Tim Tebow. They're not going to put Tebow on the team because he's neighbors with Urban Meyer, because he played for Urban Meyer. If Tebow's good enough to play tight end and it works out, be part of a football team. If he's not, he won't be. I, but, I, I think it's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah, but let's keep in mind, though, he had his foot in the door because he knows Urban no, That's Meyer, true. Right? Like, yeah. I mean, if you look at the, the circumstances of which Tim Tebow has gone through, you know, in his NFL career, going on to play minor league baseball, what's another shot now? I mean, he's had the private workout, right? Like, they've seen what he can do at the tight end position. A lot of those guys can't even get their foot in the door. You know, I mean, you see NFL players or former NFL players asking, hey, you know, they should give me a shot, they should give me a shot. Well, that, that's only on Twitter. You know, like, you, unfortunately, you can't get your foot in the door, even if you have the best agent in the world. Sometimes teams just want to give you a shot. Tim Tebow got his shot because he knows Urban Meyer. Now, it's just a shot, right? You still have to earn your roster spot. You still got to earn those stripes, if you will. And, and, and we will see. But I'm in the same boat as you. I'm, I'm really indifferent. Um, to how I feel about Tim Tebow being a Jacksonville Jaguar and playing tight end. If he's a if he's an H back a tight end, then so be it. Good. I mean, then he can help the team because obviously this team right now is decimated at that spot. The only caveat, and once again, I'll repeat myself because I've said it every single time. The only caveat is is I don't want to see him take Trevor Lawrence out, um, you know, out of these gadget plays, yeah, out yeah. of these gadget schemes. If he's brought in to play tight end and only tight end, then so be it. If we're talking about Tim Tebow playing tight end, and oh, maybe on third down here, if it's third and short, let's put him in a wildcat and see what we can do. That's where I have the issue. Yeah, and and I wonder if there will be an element of that, even though you don't love that. Right? I'm sure. I mean, I think. I mean, listen. If you're Urban Meyer and you're the offensive guy that you are, I assume it's in the back of his mind at least saying, "Hey, what can we do with Tim Tebow at the quarterback position um, out of these gadget plays?" Let me ask you this, okay? I, I want to bring this up, and I don't know how much of this is a part of it. I'm going to take Urban Meyer out of the equation for a moment. I'll bring him back in in a second. How much do you think this is also a little bit Shad Khan? Because Shad's heavily involved now, or more heavily involved with the football team. He's admitted to that. And I'm not saying he went and said, hey, Tim, you're interested in playing tight end. I, I'm, I'm just saying, how much do you think of a stamp of approval uh, this is for Shad Khan? Because if you go back to 2012, when Tim Tebow was still a quarterback in the NFL and trying to find a new home, mm-hmm. it really did come down. I mean, that was one of the most unique times of my, my television career. We were kind of waiting for the decision. We knew it was happening. We, we were ready to go live on TV with all this. Is he coming to Jacksonville? Is he going to New York? Well, turns out he ends up picking the Jets. But part of the background of that was ShotCon was fine having Tebow around. In fact, he kind of endorsed the idea of having Tebow around, if you remember some of the quotes from back then. And it was 
Gene Smith and even Mike Malarkey are like, we don't need that. We're good. We feel pretty good about our football team. Yeah. We don't need that. But I will, I'll tell you the story. Well, yeah, keep in mind, it was Dave Caldwell, too, that said even if he's released. Well, that was after the yeah, fact, yeah, right? Yeah. Because he kept, yeah. everybody kept getting asked about yeah, Tebow. Yeah. But that was after that year. Yeah. Going into 2012, the one Mike Malarkey year, the team you were on, mm-hmm. there was a lot of smoke here now. And it was Tebow that was picking between the Jets and Patriots. Ultimate chose the Jets. And the way things turn out, two things. One, the Jets kind of didn't tell him the whole, weren't super transparent with him. They were like, he thought he'd get the best chance to play with the Jets, and they never really delivered on any of the promises that they made to him, I think, uh, behind the scenes. The Jags, on the other hand, uh, don't get Tebow, mm-hmm. but there were st- coaches on that staff that said there was like this underbelly of pressure that year to perform because they had told Shad Khan, we don't need this guy. I know you kind of want him, but no, it's not a good idea. And so there was this just underbelly of, okay, we got to do well. And then what happens, right? 2-14, and 14, not doing so well. So there were people that were aware of that kind of feeling in the building. So if you take some of that, I ask all these years later, Urban Meyer, hot ticket, man. Trevor Lawrence, hot ticket, man. And I'm not talking about just selling tickets. I'm talking about the marketing of this, the big names, the Jags, people talking about the Jags, that emblem that Urban speaks of. How much do you think Shad Khan is certainly welcoming the idea that we get and people around the country get to talk, at least for a little bit, about Urban, Trevor, and maybe even Tebow? Yeah, if we go back to the first run that he had in the NFL and when he was going to New York over to Jacksonville, I think a lot of people in that building, you know, and I think Gene Smith, Dave Caldwell, Mike Malarkey included, said the juice just isn't worth the squeeze because you have a guy who's playing quarterback, obviously a guy that brings a lot of media attention that you could warrant as a distraction, um, you know, depending who you talk to. And that distraction, once again, not Tim Tebow's fault, right? But the, the, the media was infatuated with him. The fans were infatuated with him. And when you bring that much hype and that much distraction, sometimes that can affect the locker room. And I think that back, you know, when I was there, I felt like they thought that wasn't worth it. Okay, so be it. So now if we fast forward, we go past Dave Caldwell saying, you know, even if he's released, all that stuff. I think Dave Caldwell kind of shared the same sentiments, if you will, of Mike Malarkey and Gene Smith. But if we fast forward to now and what we see as the landscape in the NFL, what do we see? Well, we see, obviously, Tebow mania. Um, It has declined a little bit, obviously, because he's moved on, uh, and so have fans. But now you have a guy who's not playing the most important position in football. Now you have a guy who's willing to play tight end and possibly help out his team. And, and to me, that that's fair then. Like, will there still be some distraction? Yeah, probably. But to me, that's okay. Like, I think Urban Meyer can, you know, can can curb that as much as possible. I think he's got the guys in the locker room to do that as well. And in terms of if you're Shad Khan and the whole, you know, are you concerned about the optics and selling tickets? Yeah, maybe, but I don't know, man. How much, how much good juju do you need in terms of selling tickets? Because you have Urban Meyer. Because you have Trevor Lawrence. Now, yeah, maybe Tim Tebow can get you a couple thousand here or there, but I just think that if you're doing this straight from selling tickets, then you're in it for the wrong reasons. Like, I think that's something to do with it, but I also see a team that is so desperate for a tight end right now, and I see a team that has a head coach in Urban Meyer who knows Tim Tebow very well, and if it works out, it works out. Yeah, I would say this. I don't see it, by the way, as a selling ticket thing. I think Jags are doing just fine right now yeah. with tickets. Hey, you can always sell more, but I think Jags are doing really well uh, projecting tickets with Urban and Trevor. I see it more as like kind of like uh, what happened. Somebody said to me, it was Olivia, producer Olivia. Mm-hmm, she course. said yes. She's like, man, Jags are everywhere these days. Everybody's talking about the Jags, Trevor sure. Lawrence and this. And 
you add Tebow to the mix in some capacity. Whether when you sign him, the rumors of it over the weekend, uh, first time he's out on the field, you know, maybe it's just in August. Maybe it doesn't work. But just even that idea of having him, then it people are talking about the Jags, and, and there's yeah. something about that. I don't know how important that is to Shad. I'm just saying that people would be talking about the Jags even a little bit more than they already are if Tebow is trying to make this comeback as a tight end. And by the way, they'd be talking about whatever team he went to True. in that capacity. See, it's important for the short play, but to me it's not important for the long play. Because at the end of the day, if we're in training camp and you're talking about Tim Tebow, I get it, you got stuff to talk about, fantastic. But if this team wins three or four games, that whole Tim Tebow dialogue, yeah. it goes away. Meanwhile, if this team is you know, competing for a division in November or December, well, then you got something to talk about. So I don't know how, how much I buy into the whole narrative of Shad Khan needs this for you know, the optics and people talking about it. Like, If you win games with Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer, I promise you people will be talking. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the long play. To me, Tim Tebow, if you're worried about that type of thing, is the short play. Well, well one last thing, okay? Uh, from an Urban Meyer perspective... Do you think I, I'm trying to think of this from everybody's angle? Okay, sure. Tebow, hey, just wants to try to get back in. It's an opportunity. Okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, Shad Khan, yeah, why not? Uh, Urban Meyer obviously knows him, give him an opportunity. Uh, but but is there anything to the fact that we just watched Urban Meyer come into Jacksonville, a franchise that hasn't won at all? He's one of the winningest coaches of all time in college football. We just watched Trevor Lawrence enter this organization. Guys lost four games in like his life as a starting quarterback, mm-hmm. all of them in postseason play. And then you bring in maybe a guy like Tim Tebow as well, who knows what winning is and knows, you know, over obviously the college side more so. But Good teammate, too. Like, I think it's important to note about Tebow with all the distraction talk and circus talk. When he did the minor league baseball thing, go back and look at quotes about teammates on the minor league baseball stuff. Like, glowing remarks about Tebow for uh, that I've seen mm-hmm. about him as a teammate and just trying to blend in. Mm. Could he help the locker room from Urban's perspective? Could he be thinking of it at all from that perspective, at least to try to launch whatever culture he's trying to build? And it could be actually not, not an important piece of it, but at least another part of it. I mean, yeah, it, it it could be a part of it. Like, I'm sure that the locker room would definitely embrace him, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't hurt by any means. And I think Urban Meyer wants to bring his guys in, obviously, that, that had bought into his system before because Urban Meyer trusts those guys. So I, I don't know if it comes down to more the locker room needing Tim Tebow or Urban Meyer needing Tim Tebow, but either way, I mean, it works out uh, as a positive. Well, it's, uh, one thing about Urban Meyer, he said this week, he said, listen, I'll do whatever's best for us to win games. If that means help, giving Tebow a chance to come in here and he can help us win games a little bit, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I don't have high expectations for this if it does come to fruition. I think it's trending toward happening, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also, this might be a short-lived thing. I, I don't even know if it gets to training camp. Uh, maybe it does. I don't know if it gets to the regular season. Maybe it does. But... I, I don't mind it, uh, and I think there's something in the psyche of some Jags fans sometimes when they hear the name Tebow. Sure. I, again, I will say this. If it wasn't Tim Tebow and it was some guy from Sioux City and this was the story, I think it, from my perspective it would be a cool story. From other, from a critical perspective, I think they could ask the question you just asked: Would he be given the chance? I think that's a fair question uh, to ask. You know, would Tebow be given this chance at any other organization other than Jacksonville right now? Maybe not. Yeah. You know, maybe not. So it's, it's a fair question. Uh, but sooner or later, the only way you get it done is if you're any good. True. Right. Yeah. I mean, th- that's how this league works. It doesn't matter what kind of story you are, or who you know, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's about winning games. Uh, so we'll see if it. Uh, 
plays out that way for Urban Meyer, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if, again, it's not official, but uh, certainly Trent has been all weekend. Listen, Trent Bulky kind of gave it away. He's like, I'll address that later in the week. Yeah, it worked out. Mm-hmm. But he didn't want to touch it. They didn't want it to overwhelm the draft time. Uh, but they certainly acknowledged it, which yeah. means... It's well, it's on the way to happen. Sure, and then there's, there's Tony Khan audio out there too. That True, he's Tony Khan basically well. so, said it was happening. Yeah, so I mean, they, you know, they both um, all but confirmed it. So, yeah, I, I mean, you know, obviously it's been in the, in the works for a while. Like, see, to me, it's surprising because it's one thing where if you play out this draft, you didn't really get a tight end that you wanted, and now we're talking about Tebow. But it's interesting the fact that this plan has been in the works for a long time. Yeah, you know, maybe I think even some six weeks, man. I yeah, so so maybe like so before free agency or after free agency, right like around terms, that. Yes, right around that. Yeah. So, um, I think it's a little surprising. This has always kind of been on the back burner, if you will. Now, once again, I don't think we've talked about this before as well. I don't think Tebow possibly coming to Jacksonville had anything to do with you know getting Hunter Henry uh, or getting Johnu Smith per se. Um, far from it. But it's just interesting that th- this has been the conversation for a while um, and not like recently when it's like, wow, we need to exhaust all tight end options because we really got nothing except the guy to Ohio State through the draft. Like, it's crazy how it's been going on for a while. Yeah, what else will the Jags do at tight end certainly is a question, no doubt about it. Uh, Brett Martin, Austin Lane, we're at the ballpark today, baby, the baseball oh, yeah. grounds, Bragan Field, one one Financial Ballpark. This place has a lot of names. <laughs> You're not lying, man. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get them all in for everybody. Yeah. This place has a lot of names. Uh, the home of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp is uh, where it is at. Players out on the field. Batting practice scheduled to start in a couple of minutes. Game time tonight, 7 o'clock. And you can listen to it right here on ESPN 690. More than 90 Jumbo Shrimp games right here on ESPN 690. Pre-game show begins at 6.50 tonight. You know, a topic I didn't get to yesterday I want to ask you about. Uh, I think I might have tweeted this. Do you think 49er fans are going to ask this question at some point? Should we have waited at 12 to get Mac Jones rather than trading up to get Trey Lance? Mm. Because that will be an interesting juxtaposition to, to play out. Mm. Everybody thought Mac Jones is who they leapt for to, to Well, most people get. did, yeah, right? Well, Come yeah. on now. So on. many. I, I, I still don't even understand that narrative. Like, I, I know. We don't. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't understand why the, the national media was so befuddled by that. Yeah. Like, it didn't make as much sense to me as Trey Lance made sense. Correct. Not to knock Mac Jones. I just never thought it was Mac Jones. Correct. And I'm not always sitting here and saying, I told you so. I just thought <laughs> the national media got fooled by that narrative, like, big time. That was passionate. And that started to shift, and then they were, like, surprised it was shifting. It was really weird. Yes. Uh, so, anyway, they go up and get Trey Lance at number three. Mm-hmm. But they could have sat at number 12 and got Mac Jones. And Shanahan did say he really thought Mac Jones was a good player. Like, he liked him a lot. Now, he might have just been saying that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they had their eyes on Lance. Are we going to look at this some five years down the road or whenever down the road and say, hey, Niners, you didn't need to give away that draft capital. You could have yeah. just stayed for the better quarterback in Mac Jones. Well, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, um, regardless of where you thought Mac Jones is going to fall. But at the same time, if I'm a 49ers fan, I'm okay with it. Because what is the trend of getting the good quarterbacks in the NFL? It's going up there and getting your guy. Andy Reid did it, right? Andy Reid traded up to get Patrick Mahomes when people were saying Deshaun Watson was the guy, or maybe Mitch Trubisky was the guy. Well, Mitch Trubisky goes early, obviously, uh, and Reed trades up to get Mahomes. I think that, you know, with Trey Lance and the whole Mac Jones situation, you know, we talked about it a lot, where if you wanted Mac Jones, the question was why? Because he did a lot of the same things that Jimmy Garoppolo did. And once again, we'll see how Mac Jones turns out to be. Maybe he's the next reincarnation of Tom Brady. Who knows? But I think if I'm a 49ers fan, I'm at least 
okay. Or, you know what? I, I'm at least content with the thought that, you know what? Kyle Shanahan, who we should trust him because, let's be honest, took us to a Super Bowl and we had some pretty good success with him. He got his guy. And he got his guy that would at least hopefully make his offense run at the most optimum rate. Uh, and that's getting a dual threat guy who can also run and pass. So Mac Jones can't do that. Mac Jones could be, he has accuracy, all this great stuff. But let's be honest, Mac Jones is not a running threat. Trey Lance is. So if I'm a 49ers fan, I'm excited. I don't regret it at all because now you're getting a guy who hopefully can optimize Kyle Shanahan's offense of what he's trying to do, and you can see the full power of it. Yeah, I think it was interesting to see some of the behind-the-scenes stuff or after-the-fact stuff on Shanahan, uh, whether it was Albert Breer or Peter King or whoever it was. I can't remember right now, but it basically said you know, all these great things about Trey Lance, and then it's like, oh, he can run too. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it was like a lot of check the box stuff that that Shanahan kind of fell in love with before even looking at the feet, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting. You know, we just it, don't know much about Lance. Let's be honest. I no, mean, we saw Mac Jones play every week. We didn't see Trey Lance yeah. play every week. I still think this makes sense for the situation in San Francisco. For sure, but it, I mean, just watch a Kyle Shanahan offense and how it operates. But when it's at you know maximum strength, full capacity, watch what they do with Debo Samuel and watch what they do with Brandon Ayuk and these jet sweeps and all this motion and stuff. And then imagine that, on top of it, having a dual-threat quarterback like Trey Lance. Like, to me, it was an absolute no-brainer. And that, that's why I, I was so against Mac Jones, because he did the same thing that Jimmy Garoppolo did. Not taking anything away from Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, he got them to the Super Bowl. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, we haven't seen the optimized offense of Kyle Shanahan yet. Trey Lance provides you that. Maybe we start stretching before the show like these guys. Jumbo shrimp getting ready for a Oh, I assure you, I am warm enough already. I'm ready to roll. Yeah, I, I can sprint right loose, now. Right? Oh, I can sprint right go. now. Uh, Jumbo Shrimp behind us. Get ready for some BP. Opening day in the minor leagues is today. That includes right here in Jacksonville, the AAA debut for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. We'll talk a little baseball, more football, though, on the way, including uh, more of a dissection of Urban Meyer's first draft. Did we learn anything about Urban Meyer and Trent Baalke that we didn't know before? And a little NBA later on. This play-in game stuff, do we like it or do we not? And how about Russell Westbrook and Steph Curry? Wow. Balling. I mean, holy cats. Straight balling. Both of them are unbelievable right now. So a little bit later on, we touch base uh, with that. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Live from the ballpark. Opening day for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. We are your official station here on ESPN 690 for Jumbo Shrimp Baseball. Austin Lane. The Rock, out of nowhere, buys the XFL during a pandemic, mind you, goes half in with his ex-wife. So now you're going to business with your ex-wife. Brent Martineau. I don't know if that's on the business advice list. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I've had a very unique perspective, and I've studied it for many, many years, probably the last 12 or 15 when... You're at a place like Florida, Ohio State, and you start seeing the flows of the 32 teams rolling through your organization, and you know the way they treat me, the way I treated them, and ask the questions they would ask. And what I just found out is that I just kind of had a vision, not that I'd ever know that I was going to do it, but whenever I saw, and there are some incredible organizations, the cooperation between the coaching staff and the GMs or the personnel side, those teams happen to usually win also. When I see the other, whether it's a disjointed, a dysfunctional, so I just, you know, I I can't imagine it going better. I've, I've asked some of my veteran coaches that, you know, actually today I said I'm going to have these guys do a full evaluation of from end of season report to free agency to uh, the NFL draft. We call it talent acquisition. I want to know exactly what their thoughts are because I don't want to have a place that 
well, I wish you would have done it that way. Well, tell me so we can maybe make it better. Hmm. That is Urban Meyer. A lot of self-evaluation. This is the great problem solver when it comes to, or the great fixer-upper. Isn't that a show, fixer-upper? Fixer-upper? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the, the home and garden. Well, when it, yeah, so when it comes to football, sure. Urban Meyer is the fixer-upper. Sure. In, in a lot of respects. I sure. mean, look what he did at places like Bowling Green and Utah, mm-hmm. Florida, even taking them to a next level after Zook, and then Ohio State and kind of getting them back on top. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he he's done it. And can he do it in the NFL? I mean, that's been the question asked since the courtship in December to the actual hiring in January, and that will even continue to get asked uh, until we see the Jaguars actually do it or don't do it over the next uh, couple to few years. But it's really interesting to watch Urban Meyer, in my opinion, discuss what he's doing Mm -hmm. as it's going on. I, I I wasn't here for the Florida build. You know, back in the early days before they won the national titles, I, we weren't on top of it as closely when he was doing it at Ohio State. You can read some books Urban Meyer's written, and you get a little bit more of a feel for it. Uh, I've done a little bit of that. Uh, so we're seeing it up close and doing it at the NFL level. I would think a wiser Urban Meyer as well after all the different times he's done this and what he's learned throughout the process. And you just get a guy who... Uh, has been super transparent in the process of what he's doing, what they're trying to do, very upfront with what they need to do to fix this thing. Now it's just about can they do it uh, over the next, you know, six to nine months, off season into the regular season, and then over two, three years, and, and however long it takes to actually, you know, get the Jaguars to where everybody would like them to be. But it's fascinating to watch, man. I mean, you can see you spend time around him, you see him talk, you understand why. He's almost masterful uh, at this part of it, uh, and I think it comes with a great deal of organization um, and communication. And what we know about Urban Meyer is also this intensity about him. What's interesting to me is I don't feel like we've seen that like super intense guy we're used to on the sideline just yet. Now, the sidelines haven't happened yet. Wait till, I understand yeah, that, I right? say, Wait till OTAs or, yeah. or training camps. But starts, we've seen we'll a see. more... Um, at least through this time, which also can be a stressful time, the early stages of this, mm-hmm. kind of feel a little bit more, I don't want to say laid back, but certainly there's a confidence in what he's doing and that he's what he's doing is going to work. Well, let's be honest. He's been laid back towards us. We haven't seen behind the scenes yeah, of, of those you know, <laughs> players' meetings and what he's saying yeah. and those things. I'm sure they're probably a little more intense uh, than the benefit that we're getting right now. No, I, I agree with you, though. Um, I also like the fact that, and then, like, he's not really, I don't know, like, I want to say he's kind of approaching it like a player is, where he understands, like, listen, yes, I have a lot of success, just like a, a player would in college, right? Let's say you come from SEC, maybe you're a Heisman candidate, whatever the case may be. You have a lot of success, but you're not even close to being having the whole thing figured out yet, yeah. right? And you haven't perfected. And Urban Meyer would be the first one to tell you that. Um, and once again, he's going to rely on the people that he trusts to help get him to that point. But I do like the fact that he seems um, to have humbled himself a little bit in the standpoint of, hey, don't have all the answers right now. There's plenty of room to get better. There's plenty of room to learn and to grow. You always get the sense that when coaches come in right away, it's, hey, I know what to do. It's my way, guys, and we're going to turn this thing around. I guarantee it. Right? Like, a lot of coaches have that type of speak. Um, You know, Urban Meyer has to, yeah, he's going to turn things. Any coach has to say that. I mean, that's just, that's the prerequisite. But I do like the fact that he has left himself to open a little bit and maybe a little more 
vulnerable, I'll say, and say, guys, I'm still learning as well. I'm still growing. Yes, I'm going to bring my intensity, my passion, my football knowledge, but this is going to be a work in progress from my end as well. Yeah, it's a vulnerability, but also this like bravado and confidence that, hey, they got the right people here to do it, mm-hmm. and if they just do A, B, C, and D, they're going to turn this thing around. And some of that bravado might be, it was such a mess, and 1 in 15, and there were some probably... If someone like Urban Meyer comes in and is like, well, this is easy to fix. Let's do this. That's easy to fix. Let's, listen, I've seen this work. Let's do A, B, and C. We can do that like no problem. Yeah. You know, the owner signed off on that. We can do that before we even hit the field, and we're going to be better. So I think that's kind of the phase they're in uh, right now with Urban Meyer. You said it. I'm going to tell you the draft, it, it had, I thought one of the most fascinating parts of Urban Meyer in this draft was the fact that, yes, he had these five-star guys that he recruited to Ohio State that he ended up picking. So he's danced with these these guys before, and he brings them in. Okay, that makes sense. Pete Carroll's done that in the past. I think that's taken advantage of your situation early on in the process that can really aid your football team. So I don't mind that at all. Then you look at a Luke Farrell kind of guy. Sure. He comes from his area, had him at Ohio State, has an Urban Meyer pick all day. But then you get to, like, Jalen Camp in the sixth round, and he was like, yeah, I don't know much about this guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, he was like, I don't know much about this guy. Those The scouts did this. Uh, Sanjay Law, the receivers coach, that, that was kind of his guy. Mm-hmm. He's like, wait, what about this guy? Uh, Trent Balky did. So he, he had, you can tell by some that it was definitely his pick, Correct. the five-star guys that he recruited. Correct. You can tell the Pharaoh definitely was his pick. Yeah. It felt like because he knew it, he was comfortable with him. And then you could tell, like, the camp pick wasn't his pick. But th- see, this is going to be the true selling point of his coaching capabilities or not. Because it's one thing if you're trying to spread your culture and you're trying to do your thing with guys that you know. And let's be honest, he, he's brought in a lot of guys that he either knows or the guys that he trusts in the coaches know, right? Well, the, that, that's an advantage. That's a leg up because now you know what you're getting into. It's those guys that you have no idea. It's the guys that maybe the coaching staff's like, I, I mean, I, I played against this guy before. I don't know much about him. Those are the guys that are the outliers, but those guys make the biggest difference, right? Whether it's regarding trades, whether, you know, a player gets cut and you take a gamble on them. Those are the players that can put you over the top, and those are the players that are going to show just how good your coaching philosophies are. Because it's one thing to reach a guy that you've had before or that you know or that the coaches know. It's another thing to have a guy come up off the street, has never worked with you before, any of these coaches, and say, you know what, I'm going to buy into this whole thing. That's when you know that you're obviously your coaching philosophy is in the right spot and that you're you're destined for the NFL. So I guess the moral of the story for me is I asked the question, what did we learn about Urban Meyer over this last week and maybe through this process? It's a coach centric team. Shad Khan told us that. This has Urban Meyer's fingerprints all over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's running the show. But I also think he's willing to give way sometimes. He's not he doesn't have to be the guy pushing the button on every pick and player. There's got to be a trust factor here. He realizes that. And in short order with him and Trent Balky and, and the coaching staff around, he trusts them to do things. Listen, Charlie Strong is is a guy he brought in. He, he trusts immensely. Mm-hmm. If Charlie Strong says something, he's probably going to listen to Charlie Strong. Mm-hmm. He brought Some of these guys he knows a little bit less, mm-hmm. but after being around him 15 hours a day or whatever it might be, the relationships grow. The trust factor grows. I think he's going to be willing to uh, do something that really all good leaders do, and that is listen. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of what he just said in that soundbite coming back from break was, hey, we're going to kind of evaluate and look into what we did and what can we do better and what we learn from the next time. Uh, somebody did ask him in the uh, news conference at the end of it uh, Saturday, you know, will, will this be a lot easier next year? Mm-hmm. 
It's a process. I gotta imagine leaps oh, and bounds down. easier, right? Any any job's easier when you're a year in, uh, underneath your belt, you know. So yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, uh, once again, assuming Trent Balky's still here and all that stuff as well, but assuming everyone's still here, absolutely. If Trevor Lawrence wasn't drafted one overall, would we be scratching our heads about this draft because it had some players like Etn in the first round at 25? Uh, let, let's just say Trevor Lawrence got here last year. You know, yeah. he was already on the roster. You get ETN at 25, and then you get the Campbell pick, and just some of the the player, like a little who's not going to maybe play right away. Yeah. You know, this uh, Cisco coming off injury. Mm-hmm. Would we be dissecting this head scratching? Kind of like, what are we doing here? Oh, a little bit more without Trevor Lawrence being I mean, in it. listen, tr- Trevor Lawrence, like, he needs everything, right? So he makes everything else a lot easier. Uh, would we be dissecting it more than likely? But at the same time, Urban Meyer gave us clues. He left us breadcrumbs of what he was going to do, and that was address the speed situation. Now, if you go back to free agency, yeah, I mean, you brought in Marvin Jones, but like, when you think of Marvin Jones, do you think speed right away? Do you think other things? Do you think reliable? Um, do you think a, a good route runner? Um, and maybe a big game playmaker? Yeah, I mean, I don't think speed is the first thing I think of when Marvin Jones. But if you look at this draft with ETN, with Campbell, um, you know, with a lot of these players, you think speed. And Urban Meyer, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So, yeah, I think Urban Meyer said what he was going to do. He did it. Uh, we'd probably nitpick it a lot more, but he told us what he was going to do. Yeah, I think there's two things that stick out to me that, again, player by player, I don't know if I'm overly excited about too many of them. Hmm. Uh, I'm excited about ETN in this offense. I really am. Sure. Again, I'm surprised they picked him there. But I, if they had picked him at 33 or 45, I'd be less surprised mm-hmm. and would have been just as intrigued. Yes. So now that I don't care where guys are drafted now. Now they're on the team. I'm intrigued by him. I think what he can do to this offense and what Urban Meyer will do with him and what uh, Daryl Bevel will do with him, I think, can be a fascinating part of the, this fall. Mm-hmm. I also think the Andre Sisco kid is, is very – that's just something I haven't had a lot around here. You know, you're talking ball-hawking guy. Mm-hmm. Once he gets healthy, and I can be patient, wait until he's healthy. And ACLs, people come back from – it might be a sluggish first half of the year or even first rookie year. this rookie year. But outside of that, I'm not sure I'm getting overly excited about each player. But you just said it. He said speed. They delivered speed. This defense was awful last year. They added to the defense. Free agency, especially on the D-line, secondary here in the draft. They're trying to fix holes. You can't patch it all. And we know that because we're disappointed the tight end room still looks like the tight end room. (laughs) Exactly. But... I think overall a lot of it does make sense. Now we got to individually see if these players pan out. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that's so important. It's still so important, whether it's C.J. Henderson and Caleb on Chason, whether it's Trevor and ETN, but even guys like Campbell, uh, guys like Walker Little, as we look up in two, three, four years that these guys are playing significant time and contributing, that will be the test of how quickly this turned around. Yep. It's not just Trevor. Trevor certainly is going to help it a lot. But those other guys are key in getting this thing and this process sped up in a hurry. We're at the ball yard today, baby. Ballpark, jumbo shrimp start tonight. Opening night, minor league baseball. We're here for it. You can listen to it on ESPN 690 at 7 o'clock. First pitch, 7.05. But uh, we're here until 6 o'clock. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 continues from Jacksonville. Next. What you're trying to do later in the draft is you're trying to find guys with with upside, guys that uh, for whatever reason may not have uh, uh, got the the type of notoriety at the position uh, or had the success at the position or 
or whatever else may play a, a role in that. But you know, you're looking for height, weight, speed. You're looking for traits. You're looking for anything you can hang your hat on to develop. Another another guy that's a, a great culture fit, uh, has a great work ethic, the excellent mindset, and he's got the physical traits to develop and help us not only as a receiver, but hopefully play an important role on special teams if he reaches his potential. That is GM Trent Baalke after this draft for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, we continue to look forward to the 2021 season and, and break down the draft as it uh, quiets down a little bit in Jacksonville. We are here actually for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp home opener today and season opener for minor league baseball. Good to have minor league baseball back. Uh, tell the story sometimes. I don't know how many people have listened to the story, but I used to work in uh, I did an internship for the Pawtucket Red Sox okay. You know, when I was in college. Yeah. And what an appreciation you get for the folks that work in minor league ball. And so for last year to have no baseball, it's a grind for them, man. Like, hey, listen, everybody's jobs are different, and sometimes you're like, oh, I wish I could do that. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a grind, yeah. and everybody's job has its own different grind to it. But uh, it's cool, though. It's really a it's usually working with some really cool people mm-hmm. and uh, go-getter people, and, and you better get after it or you can't survive. In, in minor league baseball, yeah. Uh, so I love that internship I did. There's some greatest people I've ever met mm-hmm. and ever worked with were in minor league baseball. And I was just an intern mm-hmm. uh, from the top down, from from the president to the GM to to everybody. And the coolest thing about that internship I remember is like I did everything. Like I I flipped burgers for a lot of games. Really? Oh yeah. Really? Uh, I would. Go in the the like freezer yeah. and and stock the concession stands. I yeah, got, yeah. you know. So you learned so many different. I was in tickets for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You, you did everything. Yeah. Because well, anybody, anything to help, and uh, it, you saw so many different businesses in that business alone. I guess is what I'm getting at. It was really a cool uh, experience for me, even though it was just like a summer. Well, and I always have a soft spot in my heart for minor league baseball as well. I mean, I grew up on it. Shout out to the uh, Wisconsin Timber Rattlers in Appleton. Uh, that was the game yes. you know, I always go to. But then also, I want that hat. Right. Well, that was the, the, the team that had like the cow thing. Remember that we had that story? Oh yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the the, the moo cows or whatever it was, whatever <laughs> yeah. that thing was. Yeah, that's Wisconsin for you. But I also have a soft spot in my heart because when I did my NFL broadcast boot camp, that would have been back in 2013. Um, it was at Bowling Green, you know, and it was for a couple of days. But then like, one of our first assignments was to actually go to Toledo and cover the Toledo mud hens. So, like, we got, like, you know, the behind-the-stage stuff. We got to see everything and see everything operate. And then I did my first mock press conference there. That was my very first, quote-unquote, mock press conference I ever did. And we talked to uh, a couple players. We talked to the owner. Uh, it was just a really cool experience. And it gave you a new appreciation, uh, you know, for minor league baseball, especially in a city like Toledo where that's all they, they really have there. It's not like Jacksonville where you have, you know, a lot of options in terms of your sports that you want to watch. I mean, Toledo there, it's, you know, the university, and then it's the mud hens. Yeah, good point. Uh, you know, and some of such a staple, too, like Toledo Mud Hens, that's a staple team right, yeah. in, in Toledo. And minor league baseball is changing, and baseball is changing. But the Jumbo Shrimp have a great brand. Uh, we're excited just this year to be uh, partnered up with the Jumbo Shrimp. You can listen to the games on ESPN 690. But I just tweeted out something that I don't think you find in sports. Minor League Baseball is one of those things. And we've had Ken Babby on and Harold Craw on. I say this to him. Listen, you like to win. Mm-hmm. Winning's fun. Going to the postseason's fun. This sport doesn't need it. Like, Minor League Baseball doesn't need it. Like, you don't have to win to have a good time. Sure. You know what I mean? 
sure. really one of the rare sports that you go to, a sporting event that you go to, bring the family to, yeah. go have fun to, and you leave maybe sometimes in the seventh inning, sometimes in the ninth inning, yeah. and you, your, your little guy or your little girl says, hey, Dad, did they win? Like, you don't even know if True. they won. True. And you still have a smile on your face either way. Like, no sport is like that. Like, what else? What other experiences is like that? You're, you're kind of getting your kids ready for what's about to come around the corner with professional sports. Yeah, I get what you're saying. No, you know, like, I mean, you go fishing, man, and you leave the boat, and you, and you didn't catch anything. You're kind of pissed off. Sure, sure, right? sure. Like, like yeah. fishing was still fun. It was yeah. sunny out. You got a tan. You yeah. probably had a few pops. Yeah. But you're still ticked <laughs> off that you didn't. Here, it's like 2-1, 10-1. Yeah. Six to four. Yeah, yeah. Good guys, bad no, guys, wanna, it doesn't matter. You, you, you're, really, you're not wrong about that, you know, and obviously I think that comes down to the, the company that you keep, whether it's family, whether it's just, you know, getting the boys together, and like you said, having a couple basic beverages, um, there's something in it for everybody, you know, there, there's an atmosphere here for everybody, whether you just, it's just the, it's the dudes or, you know, just the girls, or if you want to say, or uh, a family weekend or a family week. So, yeah, it's, it's got a little bit of everything. I also think there's like this nostalgia about uh, minor league baseball. And especially out of all the minor league whatever sports, that this is the really the person you think about being as a kid. Hmm. More so, you want to eventually get to the big leagues and you want to be Fernando Tatis Jr. when you're five years old. Mm-hmm. But as you start to play ball and if you still play ball, this is the guy you think you are. Mm-hmm. The guy that, just give me a shot to make it. Sure. Right? Sure. Let me sign that pro deal. And I could say I'm a professional baseball player, even though I'm making like five bucks a week. Yeah. And give me that chance. Like, there's something like nostalgic about, romantic about that part of it yeah. in minor league baseball that uh, I think is kind of cool. And, and no, the, again, it, it, I mean, it's so hard to get to the big leagues, so hard to get where these guys are at. Yeah. But it's almost like, well, this is a little more realistic. I might be able to make it here. No, for sure. <laughs> even though know, that's a pipe dream, too, well, for most of us. Absolutely. <laughs> and I was like, baseball was never the, the biggest sport in my life. I played up until high school, but it's been really cool to to have, you know, some of my family that are playing in the minors right now. I have a I have a cousin that plays for the Florence uh, Yalls, they're called. They're really? In Kentucky, yeah, which awesome. is pretty pretty cool name. Uh, and then hopefully another cousin will, will get drafted here eventually. But, yeah, it's, it's been cool to follow, you know, their journey as well. But it definitely makes you appreciate the, the hustle uh, and the struggle that is minor league baseball because you think, all right, I got drafted, good to go. Well, in yeah. football, absolutely. In baseball, completely different. You yeah. know, and, like, obviously, you know, my cousin, he's working, like, two jobs, um, and he's, he's living with a family that kind of took him under their wing and everything. It's a it's a wild thing, but it's still playing the game that you love, so you do what you got to do to make that happen. Yeah, they make, like, nothing in the bus yeah. rides and all that. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just uh, the, the, there's some great books about it, stories about it. Um, but, you know, it's funny. It's I think I say this about you guys, too. Like, you guys, meaning you, you played in the NFL. Yeah. And so, you're like, oh, you played in the NFL. That guy must be loaded. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, not really. Yeah. Like, not everybody in the NFL makes You'd be surprised. $10 million. Correct. And even that first deal, okay, you might play for three or four years, but it's not going to last you 50. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Well, these guys, it's even more so. Like, yeah. These guys make, like, nothing. You, like, you go put your name on a, a resume, like, yeah, I'm a professional baseball player. It's like, whoa. Right. It's like, hey, you should see my check. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey, it's like I said, at the end of the day, you're still playing the game, and... That, that probably means the most to a lot of these guys. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, this is why I love having video for our show. Check it out on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter uh, and Twitch. And you see a beautiful backdrop here on a Tuesday afternoon in Jacksonville, Florida. We'll be back. 4 o'clock hour coming up. We're live at the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp.
season opener coming up tonight. You can listen to it right here on ESPN 690. You can listen to us some more right here on ESPN 690 when we come back. <laughs> 